Dr. Fauci, can we get a follow-up to the president's claims just moments ago? Uh, yeah, folks. The thing about Tide Pods is everyone reacts to them differently. Sure, anecdotally, there have been some success stories floated around, uh, but the science just isn't there, okay? And as far as ginger ale enemas Mr. Trump was referring to, I, I would ask all Americans, n no, all people, to refrain from trying this. He means well, but uh, that one, that one was just stupid. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome back to Born to Be Mild. Starting the week of May 3rd, 2020, I'm hanging out here with Ronald Cabuno. You know me as Peter Crawford. Ron, anything interesting happening at all this week? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. Um, we've got a lot going on. We have reopened the state of Ohio. We're going to take our sweet ass time doing it because we want to make sure that this cat does not get out of the bag once again. Oh, yes. Um, we've got a real big mask debate, especially here in the state of Ohio. Our governor, the eloquent and used to be beloved Mr. <laughs> Mike DeWine, said at the beginning of the week we're going to start with having businesses, employees, and their customers wear the masks. Right. Then he switched to Tuesday to nothing at all. And then Wednesday, <laughs> back to employees. So I guess it's okay for all of your clients and and customers to come in there and spread it around. Right. But I guess we can get to that later because there is much more uproar in general over the lockdown and how long people have been quarantined and being kept from one another. And I think they've just about had it. Yeah, people, um, it, whereas you saw about three or four weeks ago, people were really praising DeWine, uh, Amy Acton, and the way that they've been great with Ohio. People were still on board with Dr. Fauci on a national level, uh, doing a good job trying to keep people uh, briefed on actual facts. And even, you know, from the, the, the right, you were hearing some some sniveling jokes at Trump's expense because he didn't really know what he was talking about. But all of that is out the window at this point. Yeah, we're looking at a general unrest. Yes. I mean, all the patience has run out. And now, screw medical science. We <laughs> want to go outside. No masks. No, there's no disease. Never mind that Thursday was the deadliest day for the disease so far in the U.S. So clearly Terrible. it's not gone. But, right. uh, the, yeah, like you said, the, the civil unrest has reached the point where people, they no longer trust masks. They no longer trust doctors. They don't like Fauci or uh, Amy Acton anymore. They don't like uh, Mike DeWine. They don't like anyone telling them that they can't go back to work again and live life as normal. You know, I can understand that because we sit here as a very independent country with an independent spirit. Mm -hmm. And we do not want people to be telling us what to do. And I would like to think that this debate breaks down on those lines. It's it's broken down on the lines of who is willing to let someone tell them what to do as an adult? Who is willing to bow down at the feet of science and have a little humility and say to yourself, I don't know everything and I'm going to trust the, the best practices that these experts are recommending to us? You say experts and I a lot of the stuff I see online these days, specifically on social media, I know that's not the most prominent platform I should look at, but everyone seems to want to put experts in quotation marks right now. 
these experts, so-called experts, like when did they switch from being experts to quote unquote experts? Just when you got <laughs> tired of staying inside because you, well, the problem is the problem is, is that they have quote unquote experts from all sides and from all walks of stupidity bolstering their opinions. Oh, it's the internet, uh, right? Well, yeah. For instance, the notorious Bakersfield bros that I spoke of oh, uh, that before video. or that where that video used to be. <laughs> Right, yeah. So that video got taken down because it was full of complete quack science and purposefully misleading sentences and whatnot. And what you had was that on the discussion that people would have on Facebook is they would right, rightly shoot it down with basic facts and tell you how they were miscategorizing deaths against the entire population of a state versus deaths versus you know infected people and and just want to scare people or let them know that it's nowhere near as bad as it is and you got people who are actual medical professionals like backing them up just because that it it suits how they're feeling yeah we've kind of defaulted uh as a nation as a community back to the whole uh confirmation bias uh that people have always gone to when it comes to matters of politics. But and that sucks with a coronavirus pandemic because as Amy Acton and DeWine said at the outset, they're like, listen, when nobody or all the deaths are dramatically decreased by the end of this, they're going to say that we did too much and we're fine with that. And so that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing decreased numbers and we're seeing a great response by the state and people are, are thinking that it's because the, the coronavirus actually wasn't that deadly. Yeah, it's the same thing as uh, we talked a week ago, I think, about uh, the way that the, the rural area hospitals are not packed. They, they're not overflowing with people the way that uh, hospitals in Columbus or New York or Los Angeles might be. So these people are really quick to confirm, like, where, where's uh, show me the proof of the virus? Like, how come I'm not seeing enough pictures? Meanwhile, there's these really credible doctors in California trying to put out a video of actual information coming forward <laughs> with the truth and it gets taken down. Now, if that's not oppression and it's like, dude, but do you even know what you're talking about? Or are you just living in that realm of confirmation bias? So it's tough. I saw a, a, a girl I know on, uh, on Facebook the other day posted a whole uh, meme about how uh, Dr. Amy Acton isn't even a doctor. Kind of suggesting, oh my! Kind of suggesting she's in the uh, the Doctor Phil, not a, not a real doctor category, not a medical doctor. Doctor Phil is not an actual doctor, doctor. But right. I, I read this and I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? And I so I, I commented on this one. I'm like, yo, she went to medical school. <laughs> that she, one got you. <laughs> she uh, went to medical. That one brought school, you in. And then she served uh, as and as a resident in two different hospitals. One of them a children's hospital. And she's like, well, if, but she didn't practice, so that's just dangerous. I'm like, no, this is dangerous. Like, just because she didn't go into being an attending doctor and seeing patients about their tonsillitis and their diabetes because she right. went into public health instead. That's where her career went. You know, kind of like the field. You or because you're basically be spending hundreds of hours researching the minutiae of the diseases and, and symptoms that you have to then pass on to the doctors who see the patients. Like you have to know way more than they do in, in that role. Right, it doesn't mean health. you're not a doctor. Right. You're studying what diseases are impacting us and how and what kind of epidemics to expect. It's a completely different field. But yes, she's a doctor. And yes, she's more than qualified. So just don't talk. So we've got um, a lot of stuff uh, going on, obviously, with people trying to just get over with this, and they can't, and they're frustrated, <laughs> and they're pissed because it's out of their control. They think their rights are being stripped. 
They think we're being oppressed and suddenly it's Stalinist Russia. Um, and all of a sudden we forgot that this thing is still amongst us and is still a threat still to a the killer. vulnerable communities and some not vulnerable communities. Yeah. And we've got to really, if you know, we're going to start reopening, which we are. Uh, how did DeWine, do you know where we landed last on how we're opening things up? Because I know uh, bars and gyms and restaurants and stuff are still a no-no. Yeah, so they are still on the back burner. Um, you know, like they said, they're going to have this two-week test period per phase mm-hmm. to see how the infection rates go up or down or what happens. And it makes perfect sense. Um, they want to make sure that the most vulnerable occupations are the last ones, although dentists and elective dental surgery was allowed to continue or yes, commence. Yes, I did see that. Dentists, uh, elective dental surgery, what's like veneers and stuff? Right, right. So things that are completely Essential. not medically necessary. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that that really does account for a lot of what you would consider uh, the dentist dental procedures. I think, like some of them, a lot of them are considered non-essential. Right. I mean, if you've got a toothache or a, you know a dangerous problem going on with a, I don't know, a yeah. botched root canal or something, like you're obviously going to want to get in there. But um, veneers that could probably wait. You, and you, can, you can push your uh, quarterly or uh, bi-yearly cleaning back a, a couple months, and I don't think your teeth are going to fall out. So, I don't know. Let's check Joe's basement. <laughs> <laughs> See how white he's looking. I think they just turned up the contrast on his monitor. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of this uh, this unrest, I mean, obviously, I, like I said before, it's, it's being politicized now, so you're seeing more people on the right being fed up. You know, they're obviously also the ones in uh, more rural areas, so they're seeing a lot less of the effects than uh, people in the, the cities are. But it's because Trump has kind of changed his mind a little bit. He's not pushing for it the way he was. He's he's discrediting Fauci. Now, suddenly the entire country hates Bill Gates and they hate uh, Anthony Fauci because suddenly they're uncredible and they're trying to kill us all. But, I mean, Trump... I. I don't understand where he flipped. I know he wanted to get the country open sooner than later, but do you think it's all economical? I mean, is he he just pushing for this because of that? The economic fallout is completely ravaging his reelection campaign. So he basically has to resort to the lizard brain mentality that got him there in the first place. Um, That's what's going to basically score him the most points with the populace or at least with anybody he feels like he can pick up or has to retain. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to restoke those fires within them if they're still there after all this. Because you do have a lot of center-right people who are kind of seeing the light uh, throughout this pandemic, but there might be just enough time if he can turn it around that we catch the collective amnesia once again and some of those people return to the herd. Yeah, good point. So what you have to do in the meantime is hopefully make the case for the alternative Because right now, Joe Biden's been sitting back and obviously letting Donald step in it left and right. Um, But there needs to be a bit more of a collective front coming from the Biden campaign. Who do we have in terms of a dream team that we want to have in a cabinet position? Or where's the talent is what I want to know. Where's the leadership outside of the presidency? Yeah, there really is none. And Biden has spent his time busy denying the uh, sexual allegations that are, that's going on right now. Um, and it, instead of uh, proposing, you know, potential solutions or uh, avenues to attack the offensive and maintain the defensive with this disease, 
And be, as far as people behind him, I mean, Hillary Clinton threw her support to him. You know, great. Sure. It was obvious that was going to happen. Does that mean That's going to bring three people? Yeah, exactly. Does that mean anything for this campaign? Um, but, I mean, I'm, yeah, who are we looking at? Who are the other, who are the also-rans uh, at, at uh, the liberal front right now that are supposed to be making an impact? Where are they? Where are their voices? What happened exactly. to Bernie Sanders? Is he dead now? It's going to be so difficult to campaign in a regular style during this year because you're not going to be able to hold a single rally, I don't think. Unless you're Donald Trump and you consider going to West Point a rally. And I'm sure he does because he sure as hell is going to turn it into one. Well, I mean, he's forcing people to attend, right? All the students That's right. have to come You better back. show up. If you don't come to my West Point rally, can you imagine like being in a college? Like You've been sent home from college. They're like, dude, Trump is coming to your college. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, you have to you have to go back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's not going to want to be there alone. Hint, hint. So pack your bags. There is a lot of there's a lot of merit to people being concerned about the economy right now. I, I get a lot of uh, the reasons why people are excited to get reopened besides, you know, the cabin fever. But, um, you know, we're, we're so far away. You can't just be like, well, I'm bored. So suddenly uh, I don't trust doctors anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't mm-hmm. understand the logic behind that. Currently, the virus is just now blowing up in Africa, which is going to be the new epicenter. I would fucking hate to be in Africa trying to find care for this. Maybe, no, maybe absolutely. Maybe if you're in like, you know, Cape Town or something. But well, I don't know, because at least they're a little more open to having international aid. Maybe if I was in Russia right now, I would not. <laughs> I would not want to catch Corona. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be like nothing to see here. He doesn't have no Corona. He's fine. Be like, please send ventilators. And um, yeah, Russia's actually blowing up right now. They saw their largest spike, I think, just yesterday. Um, so you got it's it's so weird because it sweeps over the globe, and it in this in this way it went east to west essentially. But it comes over like a wave, and some people in some backwaters just get missed on the first go-round. So not everybody's on the same page, and that's why this timeline is so fragmented for every single community. Yeah, uh, there, there's, no, uh, there's no blanket uh, feeling for the way that this has affected the, the world as a whole. I mean, it's affected everyone, but it's been up and down, and it's been here and there. Um, it's somebody like uh, Russia. Yeah, they're more closed off. They're not North Korea, obviously. Oh, by the way, welcome uh, back to Kim Jong-un from the dead. Uh, you were dead one week ago, and now you're not dead. So, yes, and uh, I would like to thank his hair and makeup team. He's looking spry as ever. Yeah, yeah. Th- that, and well-fed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, there's always... a danger of that <laughs> going away. No, but hey, listen, if you were actually in ICU for a couple of weeks, you just can't even put the food away, no, let that alone. that's true. But he, he managed to... to keep his uh, portly physique. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. But there's evidence right soul. there how little we know about. But, you know, you said uh, Africa is more willing. They're more dependent on the foreign help to get them going. Right. Whereas Russia, yeah, they're kind of behind that same, uh, I hate to use the term, red curtain. But they are behind I was going to say a wall. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you can go with a wall. That works. So, um, uh, but, yeah, the, the, the disease itself, far from over. And we need to be concerned about the economy. People like, uh, you know, Airbnb was supposed to have like their biggest year ever this year. And now that's all gone. <laughs> like, sure. They have no chance. And not that I care about that corporation I, at I, all I, because I of what it's done to urban cities across the globe. Oh, yeah. But you can understand that a lot of people were ramping up for a very big year in many different sectors of the economy. Right. And uh, it all got put by the wayside. We're looking at, you know, obviously the largest 
job losses since the Great Depression and the largest drop in the stock market since the same time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a real unemployment. a real effort <clears throat> and unemployment, yeah. right? But so there are certain segments of the economy that are just fine because they are so necessary. Um, and there are others that are going to take a really long time, like let's say movie theaters, just because confidence in public settings isn't going to be there for quite some time. Right. Yeah. Like movie theaters, uh, sport, sporting events, concerts, part uh, like big festivals and parks and amusement parks and zoos. There's yeah. a, that's a lot of business. That's a lot of uh, a whole lot of money that you know is is going to be. Just, I mean, like, we should at least be grateful that we have public spaces available to us. You got people like Italy who are just finally being able to start utilizing trails and stuff for the first time in months. Now, obviously, any kind of congregations are not allowed. You're not allowed to picnic, but you can you can at least ride your bike again. So it's all relative, and we need to understand, just like before this pandemic hit, how fortunate we are in America to have all that we do have. And so that like when one or two little things get taken away, we don't need to feel like all of our liberty, liberties have been taken and, and flushed down the toilet. But people do feel like that. Well, that's the overreaction that I'm seeing. So like you see these people with guns at the Michigan State Capitol and somebody rightfully said, all right, now what if those were black people in the state capitol with slingshots or something? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they wouldn't get, yes, something yeah. completely benign Wrist in comparison. Yeah. They would not get half the treatment and respect that these white maniacs have. And someone said, you misspelled terrorists when they said they were protesters. I was like, you're damn right, because what are they doing? They're saying that they're exercising their Second Amendment right, but they're really just trying to intimidate. It's shameful. People suddenly believe that they've they've gotten so tired that it's interesting to see the, the split, because it's really come down to, like I said, it's, the, it's on the uh, ideological political spectrum now. And it's the people who are falling far on the right have decided, no, this isn't dangerous anymore. Meanwhile, all of the doctors and nurses that I know are still like, yes, stay away. Why aren't you listening to us? Why are you listening to that one dude you went to high school with? Well, the reason is, is because you have people in the medical professional field who are either far right or Trump supporters, or just addicted to retail therapy or whatever, and they want to have those same bullshit facts bolster their opinions. So I've seen nurses, and they're like, well, the numbers aren't accurate. They don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, all right, so you mean to tell me that they're doing this on purpose, or we're just trying to figure it out and, and evolve with the science? Yeah, what is the end game for people who have that that conspiracy theory? That this is like, what what is... What do they think that the the hoax is? No, I've literally (laughs) seen other real crackpots, not medical professionals, openly say the the conspiracy shit that's like, well, you get paid more the more COVID patients you have per hospital. And that's the kind of underlying deviousness that they think would be going on. That's the only thing they could come up with as to why the numbers would get fudged. It's because of some kind of money or control, one government bullshit. Like, these people will believe anything. And, you know, it's whatever it is, it's all backloaded just to, to support their leader. Yeah, it's a whole lot of... Um, and it, it, The evolution, just in two weeks, it's been crazy. But it, it's a whole lot of... People just being fed up and getting a case of the uh, earlier uh, aforementioned uh, amnesia that you speak of. 
People suddenly saying like, I'm, I'm healthy. I don't need a mask. Like we told you two weeks ago that you're wearing the mask to protect other it's people. It's not about you, yeah. you asshole. It's for other people. How did you forget that? It was like 14 days ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The weather has turned nice and by God, if I don't get to go out and stand in line for ice cream next to the knuckleheads that I live down the street with, it's just not going to be a Sunday. Yeah. It's a well-known fact that, you know, medical experts always lose their expertise the warmer the weather gets. So obviously the thing that uh, we're all pushing for is um, we'd like, well, not all of us I can say, but we'd like a vaccine. We'd like a vaccine. Those of us in, <laughs> in the, uh, the know about how vaccines work, it would be nice to have that. Those of us who are looking at this uh, with their sane glasses on. Have you, uh, you been following uh, any of this? Uh, I want to make sure I pronounce it right because it's another one of those that uh, I've only seen in writing. But uh, Redesivir, is that correct? Remdesivir? Remdesivir? Okay. Yeah. So um, that is by the Gilead Company Corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, That thing got the fast track, and it's now actually being used as a treatment. Fauci was all on board, and when I hear that man talk well about something, that puts it in the good column for me most of the time. Yeah. For those of the people out there who absolutely discredit Fauci now, let's not forget that he was there for Reagan. He was there for George H.W. Bush. He was there for Clinton. He was there for W. Bush. He was there for Obama. He's still there. The guy knows what he's talking about. And he's saying that this stuff, this stuff works. It's not a cure. This isn't a 100% cure, but it reduces No, it's a treatment. What it does, it it takes your uh, course of treatment from 15 to 11 days. And he was saying, you know what? It's like 30% reduction. It may not seem like a lot, but it's really, really big. It's a lot. Because you have that many people getting off of ventilators or whatever that quicker, then you reduce the influx, and you also reduce the long-term effects of the virus on each individual. Right. People, There are fewer people out there with extra severe cases because they're able to lessen the impact of the virus. So they're going to have to do uh, you know, more work on it, but they're done with the placebo. Like It's out there, and it is. this isn't your... Uh, your chloroquine. This is an actual no. approved treatment that the doctors agree upon does work as a treatment. So get behind this and throw all of that hydrochloroquine fish treatment stuff you had into the trash. And there are a couple of um, hospitals around the country that were still administering the hydrochloroquine and they were getting the absolute woodshed or they were getting taken behind the woodshed by the CDC this week, I believe. Yeah, the, the verdict is in. If you were still debating the hydrochloroquine, not a treatment, not effective, not safe. It's over. You lost. <laughs> you right. lost the and, argument. Yeah. As soon as something starts doing markedly more harm than good, it's out the window. Correct. Correct. So, but we're trying to, that's, that's a great sign that we've actually got something that's medically viable to treat this. It is because we're sitting here and the questions are still myriad. We don't know if this thing will even have a vaccine available. Exactly. Um, we don't know how many different mutations and variations it might take. Uh, we don't know about reinfection. Um, but what we do know is we have some people who, who are all on board with taking it smart and some people who really don't care. It's not going away. And if it does go away, it's pretty much agreed upon by most of the experts. Now, we don't know for sure, but we're going to see a big spike again, possibly a bigger spike when the flu season and the colder weather comes back around in the fall. So, and I would say to that, the reason being is that you have so many different places for it to have seeded since the last outbreak. Mm-hmm. So we have this outbreak in the spring, and that was only because we had however many initial infections that were seeding. Now we have this thing ruminating in all these small little pockets, 
and then you could see the large flare up again and with so many more starting points of inflection you can totally understand how that second wave would be more severe yeah and um you know it might be more severe in different places like you're saying we could see an actual flare-up in more rural areas uh we don't know maybe uh maybe sweden who thinks that they've developed herd immunity suddenly gets uh god smacked by uh the virus in about six months so there's the verdict listen i yeah and i don't wish ill on anybody on their approach if they think that they have the right science on their side so it was really a calculated risk that I hope doesn't backfire tremendously, but I don't think it'll end up being the popular route to take going forward. Uh, overall, I think uh, people people are are scared still, but they're they're fed up, and I think a lot of people are thinking that, or they're doubting, I should say, that social distancing never worked, that our shelter in place uh, procedurals have been effective, because people are looking at the numbers in New York, and they're saying, well, New York's got as many deaths as you know other entire nations. So, like, how do you know that any of this stuff is working? Like, I can tell you right now that New York has as many people as a lot of these other nations in a very, very close proximity living to one another. So factor that density in there and then factor in yourself, people like you, and this audacious mindset that so many Americans have that have said, fuck social distancing, fuck stay-at-home orders, fuck masks. Probably more than a lot of other countries, more than people in Italy, more than people in a lot of countries. And maybe that's part of the reason why we're having such a hard time getting everything under control, because it has been proven that in a lot of areas where people have been responsible with the social distancing and with the masks and with the stay at home, that the numbers have gone down. Yeah, we are so lucky to have so much personal space here in this country that we um, equate the amount of personal space that we have with the amount of personal liberty that we have. And we also inversely equate it with how much collective responsibility we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is a problem a lot of the time. Um, we're not looking out for one another because we feel so liberated and independent. And uh, that is a big problem in a lot of different ways in American society, but none more when you have something like a pandemic that requires the collective action of all citizens. Yeah, people have kind of uh, reinterpreted, they've rewritten, if you will, the Constitution as, as a document that really is 100% about your own, and when I say your, I mean your one, you alone, your personal liberties. And it's not. Right. It's about the collective liberties of all Americans. And people are kind of getting lost in translation when they read this and thinking their personal freedoms have been stripped the whole point is that your freedoms don't infringe upon other people. And if you're outside with your gun coughing all over me, then you're infringing upon my rights. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be seen. We're still learning about this virus. So people have got to be a little bit more patient and their patience has fucking run out in the last two weeks. So America is, is a deeply religious nation, as we know. And um, it goes in, it's kind of hand in hand. When you look at, I don't trust science. Why? Because my religion tells me I don't have to, or my religion says something that is at odds with the science, and I believe my religion over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't trust the government. Uh, Even though my dear leader is the head of the government, he has told me not to trust it. You know, in general, Americans say, you can't tell me what to do. Um, all these things add up to really not looking to help one another out. 
yeah, it's uh, I don't want to call us a selfish nation, but uh, there is a little bit of selfishness in our backbone. And I'm not trying to condemn the entire country, but you see a lot of these um, kind of sanctimonious platitudes written online about the freedoms that we have and the, you know, the way that I've been taught and I know this for certain, I know this for a fact and the doctors are wrong. And I, I just, I become apathetic to the entire thing. Like, I don't know what to tell these people. They're not listening to doctors. They're not listening to every, I feel like every day I read something about this new that we found because of my friends that are doctors and we've given doctors more time to come up with things like the, uh, the remdesivir to find out more things about these antigen tests. We, well, you know that that remdesivir, I believe, was originally for Ebola. Is that right? And yeah, okay. so um, it worked okay, but they had other treatments that were better, so they went with them. Mm-hmm. And so this one was kind of on the shelf, you know, as some sort of respiratory saving drug. Um, but, and they just pulled it off the shelf and said, "Yo, let's give it a try." And uh, yeah, but giving doctors is, time to do that is great, right? I mean, that <laughs> yes. testing is giving important. doctors the time to do that is great. <laughs> I mean, but that's they, we've advanced. It may not seem like it to, uh, the, you know, your average uh, citizen out there, but we've had we've given doctors time. And in just a few weeks, we know. Do you remember three weeks ago how long it took to get a goddamn test? It was like impossible. And now they've right. got these tests where you can like spit out your window. And then like a few like that's a good thing. And like uh, instantly they'll have a not 100 percent result back for you, but they'll have a pretty accurate result back for you. And mm-hmm. that's amazing because having more testing, knowing if you're positive means that we can contain the virus more. Uh, Christ, you know, in Thailand, this is kind of off topic, but a couple weeks ago, like dead bodies are passing this on to people as well. Even the deceased, mm-hmm. like these are things we didn't know that we're learning because we have more and more time. And as time goes on, we're going to know more and more, but we've got to stay patient. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have to get really diligent about reporting these types of things because, you know, they say that you're supposed to quarantine at home as long as you don't have really severe symptoms. Well, if we're supposed to get contact tracing up and running, you have to report those those cases. Mm-hmm. First of all, you have to go get tested. So like these it's it's a personal responsibility thing. Once again, if we really want to get on top of this, you have to have people go get tested and then you have to have those tests get reported. Um, and then you have to be able to have the infrastructure to go and make those phone calls and find out who that person's been in contact with so you can then, you know, nip it in the bud each and every time. I didn't listen as to how they were planning on getting this giant field of workers they were going to need for contact tracing, but I'd imagine that you're going to see a lot of uh, help wanted ads in that in that regard real soon. Oh, yeah. I don't The personnel. And, uh, let's, let's talk about the... Uh the antigen tests and the idea um, are, are people are worried. Right. Are we going to be so able the to antigen get a test? <laughs> the antigen test is the pregnancy style test that I was talking about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is essentially going to be coming to market, but you got a lot of false negatives. Um, they were saying something right now, and their in their testing is like fifteen percent, and that is nowhere that's, near good enough that's a to high be. Number. <laughs> yeah, because if you are a well, just a private citizen and all you want this is for your own peace of mind to know that you've had it or not and that you uh, obviously didn't have any adverse effects to it. That would be great. You know, you could walk around nice and confidently. Um, but if this thing comes back and says that you, you've you had it or you didn't have it and it's not accurate, then what's the point in the first place? Right. It's it's not. And you've got to have a really low uh, percentage of error. 
before uh, people are going to have any confidence in these tests. Um, right, yeah. right now, people are. I'm just we're worried that we're developing antibodies at all because people have gotten this twice in other countries. So, what are we trying to do here? Are we ever going to have immunity? Is there going to be a vaccine, or are we just going to have to look for treatment? I know so much up in the air, but I do believe that as we uh, really put our nose to the grindstone on this one, that the treatments are going to come hopefully fast and furious far before the vaccine gets here. Yeah. And um, we're trying to uh, fast track the vaccine. They've got, uh, I forget what they, they called the the project, but they're trying to get it done by January. I think it's like a lightning speed or something like that project, but uh, they want to get it done by January, which not only is a little bit unrealistic, but we do have a precedent set for that. Uh, now this was a while ago. We're talking over 40 years, but in 76, uh, the Ford administration tried to get a, a swine flu uh, vaccination pushed through in a hurry, and it was a complete debacle. So yeah, we uh, you know we're learning more about uh, COVID every day. In addition to uh, your your cough and your fever and your shortness of breath, the CDC is saying you know watch out for chills, uh, shaking, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, loss of taste or smell, pretty much anything that happens when you get sick. Uh, be wary that you might have symptoms, but uh, mm-hmm. just please be careful out there, everyone. I know we say it every week, but uh, I know it's crazy, but just try to stay patient and uh, we'll get there at some point. I know, I know, because like I'm sitting here and I want to go visit my parents in North Carolina so bad. Oh, yeah. um, I want to go visit Brittany's family up in Erie, PA. It's really not that far. It's and it's like all these people we're we're in constant contact with them on the phone. We know they're all healthy. We know that if we went there, we would be as safe as possible, you know, en route. And so it's like once we're all healthy together, doesn't it seem like we should be able to spend time with each other? Yeah. And I understand that it's like, hey, I could have got it two days ago or whatever, and I could be asymptomatic currently, and I could give it to everyone unknowingly. And that is why we have to be careful. But, God, you know, by God, I don't want to do it if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. And that that's kind of where we're all getting. I told you uh, earlier today that I had a, an aunt who's sick, and I would love to go visit her and my mom in Florida. And she's not sick with COVID, but, uh, she, you know, she's ill. And I... You can't right now. No, yeah, my wife's great uncle passed away this week. Lives in Florida, and nobody gets to go. It's it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. So let, let's let's talk about that for a second. How I mean, the effect that this is having on people mentally is undeniable at this point. The the oh yeah. So I mean, Parks and Recreation, one of my favorite shows of all time. Great show. Yeah, had a very nice. Um, Reunion, and it was all about social distancing this week, and it was also all about mental health. And they were able to raise like over almost three million dollars for mental health charities uh, just with this one special. So that was really cool. But yeah, it, it goes to awesome. show you that it is at the front of people's minds during this pandemic. It's and it's taken a toll on uh, people at home because we're stuck at home. Uh, we've had people just overwhelmed with fear. And, you know, changes in their, their eating, their sleeping, just, you know, all kinds of people abusing alcohol, drugs, you know, it's just. Oh, Pete, if you want to talk about like, just just think about the collective psyches of Gen X, Gen Y and the millennials. Um, think about how fragile and sensitive we have been versus subsequent generations. Um, and then just look at the decreased um 
amount and percentages of coupling that we've had mm-hmm. and long-term cohabitations and relationships. Yeah, I'm an example. Um, so you've got more and more people who are alone and fragile and self-aware of their shortcomings by themselves, you know, sitting here having to go through all this and, and dealing with their neuroses and any actual clinical, you know, um, mental health disorders that they may be living with. And, and, and I do, I really do feel for everybody out there dealing with that. Yeah, it's terrifying. Uh, people hanging themselves and jumping out windows like it's real. Uh, these people are really struggling and they're legitimately taking their own lives. And not, not just uh, not just uh, us uh, folks who are stuck inside, the people on the front lines. I mean, good Lord, can you imagine the stress and the absolute day after day relentless dealing with right because let's say you're going into the medical field as a physical therapist and not as a trauma surgeon or something Mm -hmm. it's not what you signed up for like having to sit there while this person like horrifically is taking their last breaths while you were just trying to get in a little pt with them for the more you know i mean like these people are being thrown into situations that they will possibly never recover from and certainly never forget yeah, it's it's got to be. I I can't imagine, you know, because I don't work in in those kind of conditions. But uh, there's a doc- and it. Ta- I've always said it takes a certain kind of person to do those jobs. It does. I have massive respect for all of my friends and all of the other people out there who uh, work in these fields. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to you right now because I don't know what you're going through, but it's got to be right. tough. We saw another a, a, a doctor, a woman who New York who took her life because the stress of the virus and it working in these conditions. So, um, yeah, I think I saw somebody who took their life because they thought they might've passed the coronavirus onto their family. Yeah, Right. And I, we, we, you know, we mentioned the story a few weeks ago about the, the man who took his, and, Oh, the man and the wife his, who yeah, they both, they both died yeah. and they weren't even positive. So, right. These are a lot of the tips that the CDC gives. I don't, I don't like to turn our show into um, a public service announcement, but you know, take breaks and, from watching stuff and the bad stuff, stop looking at all the social media to exercise, read positive things, you know, try to talk to people as much as you can on the phone and how, however you can do it. And if you really are really in crisis and you're thinking of all the, the negativity that's has come about, call the disaster distress helpline. The number is 1-800-985-5990. If you need to call someone, call that number and try to get yourself some help because it is, it's unbelievable to imagine what everyone is going through and we're all going through it differently. We're not all in the same boat. So no, no. And I am a compartmentalization master, so I can throw things to the wayside real quick, but I know a lot of people cannot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel for them because it's understandable. You, you, sometimes you have to ruminate in these things. Um, but a lot of the time you don't. And so like you're saying, like I saw the, um, suicide prevention hotline number that um that little meme or that post being shared a lot on social media this week um and i thought that was really great you know just just get that number out there and it's kind of a passive thing you don't have to raise your hand and be like oh thank god i needed that thank you for sharing it's just out there for more and more eyeballs to catch and if it happens to be that they need to call on somebody that that's available yeah it's that's you know stuff that people need and if you don't need it you know what? Share it with some other people you know, because maybe they need it. Like I said, we're not all in the same boat. People, especially companies right now, keep saying that, and it's bullshit. 
Everyone is dealing with this a little differently. People have different socioeconomic situations. People uh, have different worldviews. They experience things differently. They live in different areas. So, Oh, yeah. And, and not only that, like at your own personal place of work, let's say everybody has to go back to work. Uh, well, you have some business owners who are like, well, hey, we sat this out long enough. Let's get back going. Right, <laughs> you know, every, right. Nothing to see here. Business as usual. And then you have other ones who are like, gosh, guys, you know, we, we really don't want to have to open back up, but we know that everybody needs a paycheck and we need to keep this company open. So, yeah, we're going to open up and we're going to have every precaution in place that we can. And, and we really just we want you to have reduced hours. And, you know, like so you have that. And God forbid if you are one of those sensitive people, but you work for the hustle up, let's get going and re- <laughs> rejigger this economy once and again, people, right. you're like, fuck, I'm at the wrong place. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, why can't all these gung ho people? work together exactly you didn't get a choice on which employer you got so it's uh that's scary man it's a it's a scary situation for everyone so look out for your fellow man and your fellow animal uh perhaps oh god yeah because apparently animals can have the row yeah cats are testing positive for uh the old row row it just goes to show you no (laughs) (laughs) i want to hear the end of that you put that (laughs) you put that pussy in the street for too long oh my god That's how we get the explicit rating, motherfucker. Yeah. No, sorry, that is. Um. Anyways, <laughs> gotta get out. Yeah. No. Buy but, your uh, but like your cat masks. Get your dog some masks. You know, you can get. Th- that'll be so funny because <laughs> so many people are already wearing masks that look like cats. They should get their cats cats masks look, that look, look like, like humans. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy one of those. Like, I would buy one of myself and wear it because absolutely that'd be great. You'd never be able to tell. It's just like when I wear my eyelid glasses. Exactly. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Is that guy wearing a mask? <laughs> I can't tell. Real slick. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. it's very lifelike. Um, a lot of dark stuff there. Let's uh, try to get on uh, something a little more <laughs> a little more lighthearted. Didn't somebody uh, quarantine themselves somewhere weird? Didn't you tell me something about that? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just imagine all the places you could quarantine yourself for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What if there was a place called Fantasy Island? Would you want to go there? (laughs) Well, this guy got caught quarantining himself inside of a closed Disney park this week. (laughs) And he had the right idea because that place looked really awesome and has been closed to the public since 1999. So he said he stumbled upon what looked like a tropical paradise (laughs) and decided to ride it out there. (laughs) Wait, what's what's this in? I'm curious. Well, guess what? He was a Florida man and didn't leave the state, so that's where it happened. Oh, my God. At good old Walt Disney World. Oh, man, that is so funny. This is one of those guys that I I can't tell if he's uh, a maniac or if he's a genius. Yeah, oh, my goodness, because that place might be closed for a little while, and if nobody's checking a deserted island in the middle of Mm -hmm. it, you're probably good to go as long as you can find some... A wild boar, a T-Mone or a Pumbaa laying around. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you know, you're know you having a hard time with this, why not be at the happiest place on earth, right? Damn right. And if you die, they're just going to sweep you under the rug anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, murder hornets. Oh, my goodness. Just when you want to tell thought- me about these? <laughs> Have you seen, just when we thought it was safe to go yes. outside, is that what you're going to say? Yes. <laughs> Nature, Mother Nature Dude. throws something else at us. People are losing right. their minds about these things. And why wouldn't you? If you saw one picture of this, you'll have nightmares. These things are absolutely terrifying. They're two inches long. They're huge. The, the queen is can be two inches or more. They've got stingers that can puncture 
through like your a bee suits. They can yes. Oh. All right, so now what do you got? Now you got to go out in a, a suit, suit of armor. Of armor. <laughs> Get your medieval Renaissance fair suit out. But they're called murder hornets because they like to gang sting up on you. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, after accumulation of some, you know, dozen of these stings, it's basically like a poisonous snake and you can die. But they're murder hornets because they go into these, <laughs> they go into these beehives and just absolutely massacre all the bees. Yeah. Uh, I saw this picture of this guy's beehive that was decimated and it was nothing but headless bodies just in a big pile outside of it. It was horrific. Like a Rob Zombie movie for bees. Yeah, so they don't care about the heads, and they just take the thorax back home to feed their young. I just Ugh. can't even. They're just a pile of <laughs> bee corpses, and they do all this in like a matter of like a, a couple hours. Like the Quick entire That's right. hive is just decimated. Every thorax right. gone, just bee decapitated heads. <laughs> the sentinel was asleep that day because that was his. He had one job. And you let the damn murder hornet right in. let the murder hornets in. Um, Yeah, they kill something like 50 or something people in Japan every year. Um, You know, they're not going to end uh, the population of the world, but they are here. So watch out for that. No, but it's essentially, it's, you know, like an Asian carp. I hate to use the geographically similar term, but, um, you know, it's an invasive species that we really have to be careful with. Um, They're looking out and trying to find each individual nest over on the West Coast in like Washington Mm -hmm. because they're that bad and that detrimental to uh, our local native species. Yeah, Asia. Giving us all the things we don't want. No, that's a joke. Bunch of assholes. <laughs> no, seriously though, we have some real um, blowback coming against China from the virus. Oh, yeah. And that is something we're going to have to look out for. Uh, it started with this WHO conspiracy stuff about how are they trying to help right. cover about China's ass. Two weeks ago. You yeah, know, they were in cahoots. In the outset of the... Yeah. Um, so we, there is a lot to unpack there, and we're going to have to see how the global community decides to be um, punitive against China. But places like the United States has, have to tread very cautiously because if we're going to start trying to put on any kind of sanctions or something like that, we have to understand that they hold all of our debt yeah, the economic and they make all of our yeah. they make our pharmaceuticals uh-huh. and yada 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 we've already gone through this pissing match over the last two years with them and now if we're going to want to basically blame them for trying to start world war three we better have contingency plans in place yeah the means i hate to use the term means of production um but they <laughs> they Call they are bastard. such such a major uh, major pillar in the world uh, economy, just in what they provide. The yeah, the amount of debt they, they are have. the fact they are they were the factory of the world until they started paying their people living wages or comparatively, comparatively living wages. wages right. do, what, <laughs> yeah. do we pay our people living wages? Um, well, compared to Laos, you yes, know, yes. <laughs> I don't know anything about the La- the Laos economy, so I can't comment. Well, you know what I'm saying. Once China started making money and having a middle class, we had to start finding other poorer countries to ship our stuff to to be made, like Indonesia mm-hmm. and India yeah. and Bangladesh, free, yada yada. Uh, free trade working at its best. So, um, well, it's it's lifting many many people out of you know abject poverty, but it's also keeping us from living our best lives over here in the states. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, without getting into a, a discussion on globalism, um, 
No, but we definitely did have to talk have to talk about this China thing because oh, we're going to see a lot of that coming, and it's going to be kind of like, are you with or against the retribution to China on the run up to this presidential election? So you're going to have Trump making this a very big contentious point where it's going to be like almost giving in to him if Biden decides that we have to be punitive to China as well. So you have to come out in front if you're Biden and let your position be known so that it isn't just a reaction to Trump's position. And I think that has to happen across the board because if he gets to set the narrative, then all you're doing is basically saying, I am with or against Trump. And that's what he wants. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's a it's a positioning game where you kind of have to get out in front of these things and make a justification for it so that you're on the record before he has a chance to make some insane case for his position. And 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 yet if he has a if he has a chance to make a rational position, then you can say you were already there too and he had to come on board with you basically because there was no other option but to do so. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think most people and that's the way it's kind of been for most of uh the ideologies that he's uh, espoused throughout his presidency. These are these are platforms that people already wanted to land on. And uh, all, all it took was a little bit of reinforcement on his end for them to uh, jump into that camp. Um, sure. I mean, Newt Gingrich invented the wedge issue. And essentially what you do is you don't bring anything up unless it's going to divide people for your benefit. Right. <laughs> you Abortion, know? gun like, control. Yeah. But when we're talking about uh, some of these, and it's all of the, the things that come up when you talk about uh, party bylines. And that's ultimately what the, you know, the backlash against China I think you're going to see a divide, like always, between liberals and conservatives when it comes to the way that they're treating the uh, the entire scenario. That's what I'm saying. So if you're Joe Biden, you want to come out with a sensible policy towards China and what they have or haven't done in terms of investigating it or possibly punishing them or working together with the international community on finding a solution, you say that shit now because... You might not be privy to everything that Donald Trump is during his briefings, but he doesn't listen to that shit anyways. You right. can watch cable news and know as much as Trump does. Exactly as much as Trump does, right? Because that's what he That's does. what I mean. And no more. <laughs> no less. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's wild. So I think he's in a unique position to be able to get out ahead and maybe have a dialogue with the American public about how we should think about China going forward. You think that happens? Because it's going to be very important. Whether or not he wins this election, um, you know, getting getting America to understand the uh, precarious position that we're in a little better uh, couldn't hurt. No, uh, it, it's a good idea. I'm not sure if I see Uncle Joe coming out to do that. Um, but someone, like you were saying earlier, someone needs gonna, to step again. up in the party. <laughs> Somebody's got to fucking do God. it. I mean, I, I'm not. <laughs> and it's not going to be a Republican. No, because, we know no, that. They're all going to fall in line uh, behind Trump. Um Speaking of, did you see we have the return to Congress coming back on party lines as well? Oh, well, that was just a matter of time, just like everyone else getting impatient. So I didn't know you could do it like that, but I guess you can. I guess whoever runs that chamber gets to say whether or not you come back. That's Yeah, that's pretty much the way that our entire government is uh, systemized. So, But you have a doctor like for the House and a doctor for the Senate. So does that mean the doctor and his recommendations are partisan as well? Well, 
I didn't look into it, but I like I, it boggled my mind that the Senate and Mitch McConnell's like, "Oh, we got to get back to work. Everybody's done. We're everybody's That's fine." That's always been the case. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's back. And by the way, I need to get uh, Mitch McConnell into one of our skits because I got to do his voice, you know, a little bit more. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's just that we've always kind of seen. Uh, agendas come into play when uh at parties or any other uh, divided group picks out their doctors you know but it's messed up to think that the the uh house of representatives collectively or at least in a majority fashion said we don't think that it's prudent for us to come back because of the safety threat posed to our members Mm -hmm. and that's somehow partisan but it is it's what here we are yes i know that this is the reality today but it's become partisan It, it it blows my it's, mind. Yeah. Right. But the, the science is not. I, okay, no. The perception of what the science, the credibility of the science is what has come down right. to partisanship. And so the the problem is, like I said, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago, is that the transparency that, you know, we have been afforded through this process has been able to bring the nitpickers out of the woodwork. So the fact that you have death rates going down from 4% mortality or fatality rate is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we anticipated, or at least a lot of people anticipated, just because of the nature of the testing. But they would like to point to it as being fleeced and how this thing is being ginned up to be far bigger of a deal than it is. Everybody's a grifter. They're all trying to scam you at every turn. It's unbelievable. I, I, and like, but... You know, that's the mistrust that you see from a, a certain tribe in this country right now. And uh, as the people go, so do the, the doctors for their, uh, you know, representatives in uh, Congress. It's the same bullshit Ugh. from the top to the bottom. Just You know, when are the aliens Tom DeLong was talking <laughs> about going to come and just take us away? He knew the whole time. God. <laughs> out of nowhere, the Pentagon's like, hey, that guy from Blink-182... I think he was right. Let's let's release this information now, and maybe people will stop talking about the coronavirus. No, absolutely, because he was singing about all the small things. We didn't know he meant tiny gray men. <laughs> no, his band that he was in after that, though, uh, Angels and Airwaves or whatever, a bunch of the songs were really all about his belief in, like, UFOs and aliens and, like, actual evidence. And that's awesome. But, you know, like, the evidence that he saw was basically the same thing we've seen for the last three years, which is those... Um, Air Force videos or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And and they're amazing. Don't get me wrong. But it's like not like he got visited or abducted or right. something. It's, it's just like he's like, I found this stuff and you guys need to see it. And here's the proof. Yeah. They're acknowledging like, yeah, right. I got it. <laughs> it's like, great. UFOs, real. Aliens, real. Now what? Now what do we do with it? <laughs> <All> <laughs> you know? the we can't go chase them. Guys. You see how fast they are. Yeah. No, they, it, the it's fuck? usually just the definition of a photo. Uh, of a UFO photo, literally an unidentified flying object. It's not a fucking flying saucer. There's like a light. Well, or what they said was what they changed the they changed how they classified it, and that was the big deal. So they they now call it phenomena. Okay. Which How's then it leaves it much because it was um, phenomena. Whatever. Well, no, they called it an unidentified vehicle or something where they knew what it was essentially, where they assumed they knew what oh, it was. Oh, I see. And now they don't assume they know what it is. And that's the big difference. Okay. Well, I, 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 so it's kind of like admitting you don't know what something is. Amazing. Yeah, no, that is it. And are you telling me that we have uh, Tom DeLong to thank for this? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that much about it, but I can 
greatly assume that his basement is not the source of freedom for this information. So sports, you uh, kept up with the uh, Michael Jordan uh, documentary? Yeah. So, I mean, like, as I thought, it was going to be the Rodman shit. Yep. And it was. The bad boys. That was freaking great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we got a real good dose of of um, Chicago versus Detroit, and I really wanted that. So good. Absolutely so Because good. you have Dennis Rodman as the link between the two uh-huh. teams. And I think that that was an amazing way to go about it. Um, now, I don't believe that Isaiah got the credit that he deserves, well, but at least they showed how integral he was to a team that took down the fucking Showtime Lakers two two years in a row. It's a show. I mean, these were the, uh, the first of all, this documentary is about Jordan. So you, you that's know. right. And Michael Jordan absolutely hates <laughs> exactly. Isaiah Thomas. So he's never going to look like a uh, literally the superstar that he is. The dream team. That's unbelievable. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah, I didn't. Okay. Oh, yeah, I knew that from before. Yeah, I knew that too. Um, but I was hearing that it was like almost unanimous because he was so disliked. The Pistons, man. Nobody but, liked that team. But then I heard that it was a lot of backlash from the comment that he made, I think, like a year before about how if uh, Larry Bird was black, he'd just be another oh, you yeah, know what. Oh, yeah, he did say that. Yeah. Remember yep. that? Yeah, th- th- he would just be another they player. They didn't touch on that in the uh, the documentary. Weird. No, but <laughs> there were pe- that, that fallout, you know, stands with him to this day. Uh, they made a real big deal about him walking off the court after the Bulls finally beat him in their third try in the Eastern Championships uh, without shaking hands. And he said, "Listen, you know, when we beat the Celtics, they didn't shake our hand. They just Larry Bird literally walked out with like twelve seconds left on the clock. Their whole team was the hell out once they yeah. lost." So he had a, you know, he had a leg to stand on with that argument. Um, but obviously Jordan wasn't trying to hear it. And he's like, you know what? You guys whooped our ass the last two years and I shook your guys' hand in defeat. And the fact that once we climbed your mountain, you couldn't, you know, return the favor. He was pissed about that. But, you know, the candor has been so great from all sides, but especially from Jordan, man. I love listening to him get frustrated. I love listening to him chuckle when certain things get brought up, you know, mm-hmm. like, like when he had to go get Dennis Rodman out of bed with Carmen Electra, <laughs> I mean, like that story had been on the back burner for like twenty years. Isn't it hilarious to see that kind of scandalous stuff in the language on ESPN? I fucking love it. Yes, it's oh, it's so great. But not only that, but to see it come out while these people are still alive and are still uh, very well versed in the stories themselves, yeah. uh, and you can hear from from all sides yeah. on it. That's it's that's crazy. Like, oh man, I forgot the Carmen Electra was a person, but that's exactly. Great. I was gonna say, and so it's a societal and cultural flashback uh, outside of sports as it well. Is. It's a, a uh, you get to see the kind of cars Michael Jordan's driving up to yes. practice in, and the kind of outfits that he's got on, like at the beginning of his career, where he looks like uh, <laughs> he's got a zoot suit on, he's just like uh, and then, everybody in uh, what was that? Uh, New Jack City. Do you ever see that movie? Yeah, <laughs> Everyone yeah. in that movie. That's, that's how Jordan I mean. was dressed. Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to join me in this pair of pants? I got room for five <laughs> other people in here. <laughs> my hammer dress pants. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, nostalgic. nowadays you have people oh. dressing up sweatpants and joggers, so it hasn't gotten any better. We've just gotten things yeah, tighter. Kind of full circle, but we'll, we'll get them loose again so we can start over. And I can get one of those New Jack City suits. Yeah, so that's been great. If you're not watching that, 
definitely tune in. If you're a sports fan, you've probably been watching it. <laughs> so, um, Paul, for sure. Um, I finished this Buster Keaton movie or documentary that I saw by Peter Bogdanovich. Mm. Holy shit. Is that I amazing? Yeah, I don't know about it. All right. Well, imagine Charlie Chaplin's dad, right? Uh, no, I mean, just imagine someone who would own Charlie Chaplin at what he does. Okay. He is that good at it. I, I I, remember seeing some old stuff as a kid of Buster Keaton, but watching it now is so fresh, so amazing. I don't think there's ever been anyone as talented in the history of really? film. I'll have yes. to check it out. I don't I mean, know that much about like, him. That he was, I didn't know he was that great. So, All right, so let me set the scene. This guy started in vaudeville with his family at the age of like three. And he was basically running the show and the best draw of the act by age six. He was making $750 in like 1920 a week at the age of 12. How old was Michael Jackson like, when he kind of became the front man of the Jackson 5? He was probably at least... Uh, Early, yeah. early. It's Six is really no, young. I mean, so like I'll be there. Like he was probably seven or eight or something okay. like that. You know, with that that young voice, absolutely, yeah. he was the okay. best. But like, they, <laughs> all right. So they attached a handle to the back of their son when he was like a toddler, so they could throw him around the stage on the. Oh, an actual back. handle, a literal one. An actual. I thought you were going to say like a and, nickname or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, a literal that connotation of the word, yeah. Um, they got the children's services called on them in like many states, several different states, because these people thought they were abusing the hell out of this kid. But you know, he absolutely loved it, um, and and just learned how to take a fall at the age of two. And so you see Jesus. these feats of strength, and not only that, he was directing these films. The genius. It's like watching Looney Tunes come to life. And that's exactly what Chuck Jones was saying. Like when he was doing Looney Tunes, he was getting his ideas from a real life person who was putting his ass on the line with these crazy things for laughs and for art. I I cannot recommend it enough. I think it's called something like, uh, what was it on? Our Dear Buster. And it's on, uh, you know, the old people channel, Turner Classic Movies. But so I would like to know, do you have some more of this uh, movie goodness that you want to bring my way? Because I, I, I kind of missed out on it last week and I was looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, so. I always like to get your take on uh, some of these legendary matchups. If you haven't been paying attention, my movie quiz is just a couple uh, movies facing off against one another. They usually have something in common and Ron tells me which one he prefers and why. And I'll give my uh, input. So, And I was going to say, luckily, they're all... They're all in the um, historical uh, category because if it was anything kind of recent, I might be missing yeah. out. I don't. I I suck at keeping the historical up. lexicon for sure because I, I I want everyone to have seen these. So there you go. Exactly. Without, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and I'll start off with uh, one that I really like, and I think I know where you're going to go, but we're only talking about the first movie. So Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon. Okay. So truth be told. Um, these types of movies are big, but they're not huge in my psyche and in my uh, youth growing up psyche. Like, um, I didn't turn on Die Hard every Christmas, and Lethal Weapon um, is funny, don't get me wrong, but it's nothing that I was like rah rah okay. about. Um, but I will have to go with Lethal Weapon because I. Uh, I appreciate the humor of Mel Gibson and the interplay between him and Danny Glover better than the one-offs from Bruce it's Willis. It's buddy cop versus uh, Bruce talking outside. And, yeah, Hans, it's a bit of this. <laughs> you got to kind of have uh, an attachment to one or the other. I 
Now he's funny, and I do like when he gets real frustrated, and it's funny, you know, like he, you know, he'll just get thrown out of a window and then shake it off in a funny way, or you know, something like that. But it, the affect, just uh, it's nowhere near the personality connection that I make with a buddy cop with, movie. Uh, Merton like Riggs, yeah, yeah, absolutely, because it's it's the guy's last fucking day, and all this shit goes down, yeah. You know what? If I was going on uh, with the entire series, I'd go with Lethal Weapon too. But uh, the because I like all four of those movies, and uh, Die Hard's got a couple stinkers. Next up, I think I already know where you're going to lean on this one. We're doing a TV show again, okay. and you already mentioned it today. So I've got The Office versus Parks and Recreation. Well, you think you know where I would lean, but that is one of the toughest decisions I could ever make: The Office versus Parks and Recreation. Very similar shows because. But- they are, and it's a feeling of like family and community that you don't get from hardly any other show. So, like, if you gravitate towards one, you gravitate towards the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my love for the public sector would give me Parks and Recreation over the Office. Yeah, I <laughs> like. I love the fact that they come into this old wooden municipal building and just you know do their little thing that helps their community better. It's just a more fun concept, I think. In terms of characters, there's nobody better than Michael Scott. And he carries and that show because he's so He good. does. But not only that, but like their number two, Dwight Schrute, might be better than anybody on Parks and Recreation 2. Like, mm. they're more absurd than they are on, on Parks and Rec. Um, the the types of hijinks that they get into are just so off the wall. Like Parks and Rec is just about silly, schlubby, regular people, but Office is about just like what kind of crazy stuff can they do in this small, confined environment? You sound like you're leaning Office right now. I know, I know, and I think I do. I think I do okay. just because of the joke quality yeah. is is so much higher. They really do shoot for the moon, and they they raise the bar on that one. Okay. You hey, think I hear so, somebody Vivian? woke up. Yeah. Vivian's here. Yeah, Vivian likes it. Okay. Well, I am going to go with Parks and Rec there. Um, I think I like the small town insanity more than I like the uh, workplace insanity. We'll go with uh, two more. Give me a quick take on. I know. You, I know you've seen these. Groundhog Day versus Ghostbusters. Ground. All right. So I thought you were going to say Groundhog Day versus what about Bob? Oh, that's your Bill Murray. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going Ghostbusters well, only over because it's a little more legendary. But I do love that movie. Well, I was going solo act versus solo act, uh, you know, because Ghostbusters is the ensemble. But, yeah, but and, is it really? Uh, but but Peter Venkman <laughs> definitely stands exactly. out as the main character. Yeah. I understand. I yeah. understand. Um, so that's not fair because, A, I didn't see Ghostbusters 1 until I was much older. I saw Ghostbusters 2 at a far earlier age. So I would have to go Ghostbusters 2 over Ghostbusters 1, even after seeing oh, both wow. of them. That's a hot um, take. Yeah. Not many people were going to be with you on that one. but Well, no, but you know, if you grow up in a commercially inundated childhood such as sure. I did, if it was sold in a Happy Meal, it pulls on your heart yeah, no, I know. I, I saw Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 Simple first as well, but we're talking about... Yeah, I think we talked about this in, uh, with Terminator yeah, as well. Yeah, um, But, all right, so getting back to the original question, I, I mean, obviously, Groundhog's Day is fantastic. Legendary. <laughs> I got ground. I got that, Groundhog Day for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably in my top twenty-five movies of all time. I don't want to raise it up any higher that, than that without actually making the list and seeing. But it's one of those ones that's almost almost infinitely, infinitely watchable. rewatchable. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I can't say the same about <laughs> Ghostbusters one or two. No, I've got more all. childhood uh, memories of the cartoon actually. Um, the real Ghostbusters. Yep. Okay. Well, we're gonna do one uh, one last one here, and we're gonna we're gonna stick with the old childhood nostalgia vibes. This okay. one was really tough for me. The Goonies versus the Sandlot. Okay, uh, once again, so there are these things that I am not fully on board with the rest of America on. Uh, one of them is Star Wars. Could care less about that. Another one, like we just talked about, is Die Hard. Not really the biggest thing in my world. Um, unfortunately, I have to say that about the Goonies, too. Oh, no. Is it just a little before your time? <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it. It's basically like, I know a lot about... World War II, but I know very little about Iran-Contra, just because it happened right before I got into school. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it wasn't in the you. history books yet when I got into school. Um, okay. But so I kind of feel that way about things that came out right when I was just a little too young, and it took me a long time or long enough to get back into it. Well, Goonies is what? Like 80, 84? Yeah, but maybe? I didn't have older siblings. Like, I can remember watching it at my babysitter's house because they had older kids. But, like, if left to my own devices or my own family, we weren't going to watch that for years because there was no one in that age cohort that was going to want to watch it. I got you. Um, and so when you want to talk about timing, Sandlot came out right in my wheelhouse, for one. That was perfect. For right? another, yeah. it's a fantastic kid movie and a fantastic sports movie and a fantastic historic sports movie. So it's got a lot of things going for it. I think that's a real easy one for me. Okay. I'm actually with you. Okay. Uh, I go the Sandlot too, although I do have a lot of... See, I, I watched a lot of uh, the Goonies in like the early 90s. Yeah. With some of my, my older cousins and my friend's older brothers and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. That's during the rewatch phase. Yeah. And it's loaded with like Josh Brolin's in that and Sean Astin and uh, Corey... Well, <laughs> on a different level, Corey Feldman. On the Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even the... The little uh, Chinese kid from um, Indiana Dr. Jones, Jones. The of Doom. Dr. Jones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dr. Jones. So Short um, round. <laughs> yeah, short rounds in there. So I really love those characters. I love the idea of the, the treasure hunt. I love the, the truffle shuffle with the fat kid uh, shaking his stomach. Um, You're going Goonies? Uh, no. I'm still going Sandlot, but I'm saying it's a lot closer for me. Okay. The Sandlot has got so much heart. It's so... Just that it's perfect. It's it's, literally in a world that you would never not want to inhabit as a child. It's extremely close. People always ask me my example of a perfect film, and I always go right to Back to the Future. I think that's a flawless film on almost every level. But The Sandlot, you could make an argument that that's a perfect film too. And I'm going with The Sandlot. Like I, I'm sorry. It's just there's too much. It's got too much. It's got James Earl Jones. And I love a voiceover. I am oh, such God. a sucker. Yes. And it's so great at the end when you see him as an announcer up there. and Oh, you and know. you have the flash forwards. You can't get yes. any better than that. I don't even care it, if it's uh, Dottie than the the Georgia, the what are they? The Rockford Peaches coming in at 90 years old in their wheelchair. And it's, you know, like, give it to me. I'm here yeah. for it. I want to see it, I want to see four different actors play this one character within one movie. There, there are just so many great moments uh, during that that movie. Uh, stuff, you know, where the squints uh, fakes drowning so that he can make out with that girl. Wendy Peppercorn, absolutely. And then by, at the end of the movie, he grows up to marry her and have like Dozen seven kids. children or yep. ten children. Yeah. 
stuff like that. Like that's that's just legendary. And um, yeah, so I got to go with the Sandlot there. Good. So. Good. That'll do it for uh, this week's uh, movie trip. <laughs> that uh, was fun, quiz. but I did. I wanted to talk about sports movies in general, so we're going to have to maybe do that uh, in a larger segment maybe next week. Or Yeah, we can uh, we can do a little uh, sports rundown next week. Nice. So, but well, I- you know, because I really hope to be doing less and less coronavirus on the podcast, not because it's to. less and less important, <laughs> but because we're going to be streamlining not only our opinions, but our approach as the science gets clearer as the numbers get clearer as the testing gets you know more widespread more ubiquitous there is going to be less debate about the numbers there's going to be less debate about what to do moving forward and once that happens we're going to be able to start talking about other stuff thank god yeah hopefully less of a fear of impending doom Uh, that's what we (laughs) well some people get to to carry that with them on a daily basis just for no reason at all and uh, we're never going to stop them from doing that. No, if that's your if that's your norm, then uh, by all means, you know, rest at default. But I would love to uh, eliminate that from my life. But as uh, yeah, we, we have to go over it. And I think we went over some good stuff today. Some good sports. Uh, you got anything else, Ron? Uh, no, I just want to say thank you to Canada for banning assault weapons while we're still got some airtime. And that's the week that they did it. Yeah. Uh, it took to one shooting, mass yeah. shooting for them to do so. Uh, so congratulations to you guys. Common sense prevails once again in the great white north. <laughs> yes, uh, and that's all I've got. I hope everyone uh, is, like I said earlier, being mentally well. Uh, focus on that this week and do some stuff for yourself and check on your friends. Make sure everybody's doing okay. Absolutely, folks. We'll see you next week. Thanks again to Ryan Little for the kick-ass theme music. Thanks again to all the sponsors, i.e. Mom, for sending me that early birthday card. And thanks to you, the listener. We really appreciate all the likes, feedback, and shares you've been giving us. If you've been thinking about giving us that five-star review on iTunes, but haven't pulled the trigger yet, no better time than the present. It certainly does mean the world to us that our point of view is resonating with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.